You're listening to The Big Lift, the podcast of Web Trends Optimize, the CRO solution that enables marketers and developers to maximize the ROI on their digital properties. Web Trends Optimize is a powerful, feature-rich, and easy-to-use solution, all delivered within a fixed-price contract with no additional cost for increased functionality ever. During these podcasts, we meet some of the key influencers within the marketing and conversion world to understand their roles and examine their challenges. As many of our listeners would already know, Google is phasing out Universal Analytics next year to be replaced by GA4. So today I'm in discussion with Jill Quick, analytics consultant and trainer at the Coloring In department, to discuss the impact that the demise of Universal Analytics may have on organizations. We talk about some of the new features in GA4, what features are going away, and most importantly, what organizations should be doing to get their house in order for their transition. So Jill, as a marketer myself, I've always told my friends that marketing is not the coloring in department, (laughs) but it's much more methodical, analytical, and focused on revenue than ever before, especially as we're all buying more online. So why choose the coloring in department as your company name? So the the story for the colouring in department came from uh, a, a slur, I think you would probably uh, refer to it, coming from a very heavy marketing background. I'm very lucky that I found something that I really enjoy as a job and something that I'm really good at really early on. And I noticed in a lot of the jobs that I was in, uh, I was referred to as the colouring in department, regardless of what I was doing. So I could have been doing A-B testing or usability testing or SEO, email, whatever. There were still a lot of people that looked at me and my department as the revenue takers, the people that did all that nebulous stuff. You know, we need an eco-roller, a banner. And I thought, okay, I'm going to own the phrase like, yes, we are the colouring in department. We are the department that needs to get your channels right and your messaging and your marketing. But pointing to what you said about what you think um, marketing is about, it definitely can't exist without some form of measurement. The two go hand in hand. And I think that's right. I think most people would, in the olden days, think that marketing was very fluffy and things like that. But we are Mm -hmm. definitely much more analytical now than we ever have been. And I think that's very, very useful to to do that. Um, We're going to talk about GA4 in a moment. But you've been an author and blogger with um, Smart Insights for nearly nine years. I know you're going to be very busy doing what you're doing, especially around the adoption of GA4. How do you manage to get the time to write articles? So the article side of thing normally comes from either training I've been doing or work I've been doing with students. If I find that something's resonating or I find uh, from speaking to people, and and that's the the beautiful thing that the world is now opening up a little bit more, that you can start to talk to people that use technology and use the tools, you can find lots of ideas and insights and problems in particular that people are having. The article writing and the guide writing comes genuinely, it sounds a bit soppy, but from a love of what I what I do. So it's it doesn't feel like work when I'm writing up thoughts or things that have happened and, and guidance to what's happened um, with my work, because it's something that I enjoy so much. So as much as it's a I, I'm not doing it all the time, I'm not a full-time author, but I do enjoy it when I when I do do it. And I would think that you're probably using some of that stuff that you learn in your day to day, not only for authoring the blogs, et cetera, but actually feeding that back into doing maybe 360 degree feedback on yourself um, with regard to the training that you're doing. I mean, it's that phrase, isn't it? If you think you know something, try and teach it. It's it's really true. <laughs> like you, you're told like you know, here's a topic, write about it, and do people understand what you've written? Is it correct? It's it's a good sense checker. Not enough people do that, you know, and, and I see often see um, blogs that are written by different people, which basically haven't checked out all the facts that they've written, and you kind of think that's not quite right, and you lose confidence in people like that. Mm. And, and obviously, what you do is built around confidence. People want to know what you've got to offer and you have to be confident about it. So I think it it does do a great service to yourself to be constantly reviewing what you're doing. And by writing about it, I'm sure you get that opportunity. Yeah. So let's move on to GA4 because it's a pretty hot topic now amongst many other hot topics within the marketing department. But GA4 has been rolled out since what is autumn of 2020. 
But many organisations have been very sluggish to adopt, I suppose, mainly because of COVID, etc., something like that. But it seems that Google will be ending the life of Google Analytics or Universal Analytics next year in July. So that means that people have probably only got a year to, to take action. Do you still find that there are lots of organisations that are very sluggish in moving forward from Universal Analytics to GA4? A hundred percent. So I've been doing GA4 migrations and training from about November 2020. And I think some of the some of the feedback I've had, and obviously since Google announced in March that they were making a very drastic and and not necessarily what Google has done before in the past change to how they're going to be removing a a legacy version of their analytics program. It has caught people off guard. So in some regard, it might be seen as a bit sluggish, but I think that because of the pandemic, because we haven't been doing lots of conferences and events and and lots of things where we'd be talking about things that are happening in our industry. And let's be honest, we've been living and working through this pandemic. I've been homeschooling my small children. We're just trying to survive and and, and avoid the plague. So in some regard, I think even though it's been two years, and if you look at the messaging from Google, from just their emails, when it started, it was very much, hey, this is new, uh, be an innovator. You know, this is going to be something that's new and fancy and you can do more things. Within a year... Yeah. yeah, within a year, the message had been, this should be your primary analytics platform. And the last six months, they've definitely been ramping up before that March announcement to say, here are some new things, by the way, you should be using GA4. The problem is, I think the adoption of GA4, everybody assumed that they had longer. And, and me, me, myself, I was having lots of conversations with clients saying, I really hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be 2023. I think all of this stuff with the EU, with privacy, with the way cookies have been um, more challenging for us, let's say, over the, the next uh, 12 to 18 months, I think they're going to pull the plug earlier. And loads of people said to me, no, 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 we'll, we'll have ages. And I think some of the possibly anger people are maybe feeling about this job that we all have to do, because whether you like it or not, it's happening. And if you want to continue using Google Analytics, then you need to migrate to GA4. If you don't want to use Google Analytics, you still have to migrate to somewhere. So this is throwing up a lot of people feeling a bit frustrated that, like you said, it's it's nearly a year to go until they're going to like burn it with fire, essentially. And for a lot of people, that is a, a kind of, whoa, like, where's this coming from, Google? I thought we had more time. In their defense, they have been giving this messaging for a good two years. But for most people, they thought it's on the to-do list, but I'm just going to do this job and I'm just going to do this over here. And and it, it's just crept up on them. And there's a, there's a phrase that I like using from uh, the lovely Brene Brown that I like reading. It says, disappointment comes from unmet expectations. And I think that's where a lot of this frustration and and as I said, some anger, depending on where you go on Twitter, um, is coming from, is because Google aren't doing what they've done before. When they had Classic to Universal, we had years and years and years and years and years. And I've still audited accounts where they were still using Classic, which came out in 2007. So for a lot of people, this is a bit of a jolt. And like you said, with the announcement in March, a lot of people have kind of looked at it and gone, wait, what now? What, what's that over there? Like, I've got a job to do. So on top of everything else that's happening this year, we now have to invest in our analytics. And that has been a bit of a shock for people, I think. But that, that must, I, I know it does, instill panic in a lot of people because they've now got a deadline and they've now got to migrate something which is essentially in all but name entirely different it's it just seems like it's a big job to do and the skill set isn't one which is naturally there you know you have to kind of learn new tricks and things like that to be able to move forward so i think that that panic is probably instilled into oh my god what am i going to do rabbit in the headlights you know what, what shall i do i can't do this i can't do that and i can't do my day job at the same time my hang on, i have to learn this in my my evenings or weekends do i have to go on a course there's that kind of noise I hear that's around there. But obviously yeah. there are other companies which are much more planned and much more organized about it to be able to to think more kind of calmly and have used that prior two years to become kind of beta testers or whatever to be able to see if it all works out. Yeah. But let's get on to the nitty gritty. What's the difference or the fundamental differences between universal analytics and GA4? And can you explain a little bit about your helicopter method? 
So the way that I describe analytics, so if you'll forgive me for in, indulging everybody with my little analogy of, of transportation to show the difference mm-hmm. between the models. If we think of analytics as a mode of transportation, then when Urchin came on the market in 2005, that was like a bike. And then when Classic came around, we were upgraded and given a moped, a scooter. And then 2012 rolls around and Google says, hello, welcome to your brand new Google Analytics car. This is our universal analytics. And we've been driving that car for 10 years. Universal analytics, we've either been a driver, a passenger. Some people have slightly better engines than others. Some people don't drive their car very often. But either way, we're all very comfortable and familiar with that idea of of, of driving a car. Now, despite Google saying that this is an upgrade, it's not like you're saying, "Okay, give me your car that doesn't really work very well. And I'm going to give you a brand new Tesla. It's an upgrade in the sense that GA4, if it was going to be a mode of transportation, would be a helicopter. So it's not an upgrade. I mean, it is because, you know, if you were to pop me in a helicopter and go, we're going to fly you back up north to your family, it would take significantly less time than the car and I'd be really happy about it. But most people don't know how to fly the helicopter. And I think when they've been going into the user interface of GA4, they're like, whoa, this looks really different. The user interface is different. It plays different. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, because once there are some similarities, as a car and a helicopter both have doors and seatbelts and windows, it is a completely different model. So where Universal Analytics was a a, a hit-based model, we had our, our, our users, our sessions and our hits. In GA4, this helicopter is a pure event-driven model. So we have users and events. And this is, for myself included, having been an analytics consultant now for over a decade, it is such a a mind-bending flip to go, oh, page view, no longer a hit, Mm -hmm. now an event. Like it's still, it's taken me some, some going. And they're not named the same way. So what was a dimension and a metric and and an event category action label in universal analytics in the car, I now have a different event name and parameter in GA4. So I'm still referring to a a checklist whilst I, you know, get some some, uh, brain neurology neuro pathways changing for me me to work on this. So it it is different. And if you start to think that it's going to be apples for apples, you're going to be disappointed. You can't expect GA4 to be similar to, to Universal because it is that helicopter car uh, analogy really they are different they are different models but it's it's not just slightly different and I, I agree with your analogy that it's like moving from a car to a helicopter but the the person that drives a car has had 40 years I suppose of knowing what a car is and how it does it and there's mm-hmm. lots of them about helicopters are not that common and the pilots of helicopters, there aren't that many by comparison to those that drive cars. So I'm, I'm trying to think that, you know, the analogy is we're going to take your car away from you and we're going to give you a helicopter. And so yeah. it's that fear that you've got this helicopter to, to pilot now, as opposed to the driving the car, which was very familiar because everybody does it and you did it for years and things like that. And moving into this environment where as opposed to having a steering wheel, you've now got a joystick. Exactly. And a joystick in a helicopter is very, very touchy. You move it one way slightly and you go off to the left. You move it the other way and you veer to the right. It's not like a steering. It doesn't have, you have to be much more subtle in it. And my understanding of looking at the interface, it's now calling everything an event, but it doesn't feel the same as the way that you looked at it before in Universal Analytics. Yeah. And I think that even though it is different, putting an optimism spin on this, it's change is challenging but change also brings opportunities and I think as marketeers as practitioners in in any field under that very wide umbrella term the way that analytics has evolved in in some ways because universal hasn't changed for nearly a decade and we haven't really seen any massive changes in universal for about five six years um I used to do a lot of in-person training and I didn't really need to change my slides when it came to the user interface Mm -hmm. because it didn't really change you know so whereas at the beginning I was constantly changing my decks when it came to the last five years I'm like nope this interface is exactly the same and it's the same and it's the same because nothing 
really innovative had, had happened. So maybe if this was released a little bit earlier, that people would have more time to adapt to it. But for, for whatever reason, it's it's come out as it, it in the wash, so to speak. Um, the way that Google's decided to to bring this model to market, I think because it is so different, that's probably one of the biggest things that people are going to have to get their head around is to understand this this data model. I will say though that it, it brings quite a nice kind of what's the word I'm looking for for this it's um it's almost mathematical it's it's a nice process it's a nice pr- uh, procedure it's very clean you know it's not like you can name your events in universal analytics a million different ways mm-hmm. and and it, some people are very creative in the way that they label their events so that they're they're nonsensical I do like that with GA4 there is a consistency with how event names and parameters are structured there is a, a number of recommended events that Google have provided which which for me means I can move between accounts and people are going to be using the same naming conventions for standard things, which means when you're looking at reporting, let's say you are going to pull all your data into maybe Data Studio or maybe a BigQuery report or something like that. We are building scripts and, and commands based on the same language, you know, because people aren't going to be creative in the way that they've labeled maybe their e-commerce event tracking or, or whatever they've done for form completions so I, I do like that and there are things that we can do in the helicopter that I get really excited about and it's a really good opportunity with this handover coming um, down the track so to speak that you get to review how you are currently collecting and configuring your data and having a really honest conversation with your teams and your organization about how you are as a company when it comes to that famous phrase that we all love and hate, that data-driven, data insights organization. I have been kept very busy over the last decade doing audits, and I'm yet to find an account that hasn't had some issue with the collection and configuration. And if you have an issue with your collection and configuration, then the reports that everybody obsesses over are wrong. And I I refer to this as confabulations of data. Flies, honestly told. So everybody's looking at the reports and they're going, the graph's going in this direction, and here's a metric and here's a number. But if that number hasn't been collected and processed properly, then you are basing your decisions on lies. But nobody goes in doing this on purpose, or at least I'd like to think that they're not trying to deceive people on purpose. So it's a good opportunity to take stock of how you are currently collecting data and how you use it. A a question I ask a lot of people when we talk about their migration plans in our scoping sessions is to focus on what do they need the data to do? What questions are they trying to answer? And that helps me understand what is the best measurement strategy for them? What's the best tactic available for them? And if I get responses like, well, we don't really use it, or I I just look at it on a Friday when I'm bored, then it, it brings the question to say, do you want to be data insight led? Do you want to have numbers to back up your hypotheses or to justify your marketing strategy or not? Because if you don't want to do that, then is it worth investing? Are you just going to be a person that goes, I'm just going to kind of go with my gut feeling and we're not really going to bother reporting. But I'd I'd like to think that for a lot of people, that's not actually the way that they want to work, that they do want to have some justification to what they're doing, something to back up that growth. We can't really avoid reporting on numbers, can we? Like we've we've, we've gone a long way from marketing in the probably the 60s or the 70s where you know, having an advert was, was enough and, and you saw some lift. Yeah. We, we want to know what we're doing with our money, what we're doing with our resources. So I think having that honest conversation in terms of how are you currently collecting and configuring that data? And is the data any good? Like when you're migrating wherever you're migrating to, don't migrate a bad configuration and have a good, honest conversation about what you're collecting and is it useful if you're saying you're collecting a whole load of stuff and you're all very proud of your very many millions of events in your analytics account but you're looking at five percent of that data then you've got to be be thinking well what do I want for the future so it's a really good opportunity to think about how you want to use the data how are you collecting and configuring it and how we could potentially change this with this new model. So you are collecting things that matter to you, that make an impact to the business, that drive decisions, that build hypotheses for change. And that I see as a really good thing. And everybody could have done this over the last 15 years since analytics came onto the market. But it normally takes something drastic to happen for somebody to really look at 
you know, the state of play, their situation analysis. And, and that's what's happened with Google making that decision for us, essentially, by saying, by the way, next July, the car is going to be burnt with fire. You need to work out where you're going to get your data. But can I just take you back to your confabulations? Because I think one yeah. of the things that I totally and utterly agree with you is there's a lot of data and that data mm-hmm. isn't always correct. And it's always built upon a fundamental belief at the very beginning. And those confabulations are built on top of that confabulation. So as they progress, many marketers would find it difficult to admit that they had got data wrong. And looking back over three years, say, for instance, and saying, actually, oh, yeah, we were measuring it differently. And then they move into GA4 and the measurement is based upon more honest and truthful. It's then a difficult conversation to have to saying, actually, what we were experiencing before really wasn't that accurate at all i don't see that so much in the day-to-day of the marketing department but when you push it up to those people who have been using that roi to be able to drive value in their e-commerce platform or whatever i think that's going to be a challenge to be able to make that happen and so the other question i think is that a lot of companies have how would you describe it fallen into measurement and have used maybe Google free for a long time, and many still are using Google free, but have then moved from Google free to to GA, the full version of GA, and now they're moving on to GA4. But I think looking at the two, and I'm not an analyst, but GA4 from a fresh piece of paper may be the best way to go rather than moving from saying, okay, I know Google Analytics free. Mm. Um, I just feel that there's going to be a lot of confusion and those people who may be using the free version are going to be put off of going to this GA4 free version because it is much more complicated. And I think the marketers that are using the free versions are generally part-time analysts because they've got lots of other things to do. So do you think that's probably going to be the case or do you have a different view? No, I think I think that is probably going to be the case. What I would say, though, because... Again, doing my line of work for so long, it, it can be like it can feel like you're giving somebody bad news <laughs> if I delivered a debrief going, by the way, um, this setting wasn't quite right. So all your data's kind of misattributed. Yeah. And people's faces like, oh my God, I'm gonna get sacked. And I do go back to them and say, for the last 15 years of Google Analytics being in existence, for the majority of companies, so excluding people that are using 360 or or paid services with agencies, the majority of users have been self-teaching uh, GA uh, equivalents, maybe doing some of the, 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 the stuff you can do on Google YouTube or yep. on, on their own. Um, you can do qualifications, yep. can't you, with, with Google, although they need to change that now for GA4, <laughs> come to think of it. Um, because there's no formal training and there's very little documentation and there's this very kind of who did the work, like where does the responsibility lie kind of finger pointing that goes on when, I, when I'm doing scoping uh, calls for, for UA audits. Because a lot of people assume that maybe the web agency did it. Then another department might assume that it would fall under IT. And then somebody else would go, well, no, we thought that was marketing because you're the ones that are using Google Analytics to justify your website. Because that's what it's for. It's not there for a, a shopping accounting system. It's a marketing tool to help us understand what's going on with our websites. And I think when you add all of that together, that people are going to have to turn around to people um, when they're reporting more senior and saying, look, the numbers look different. One, they're calculated differently. So there's an education piece for stakeholders and and internal people to say the numbers are going to look different. But here's why. Different data model, cars, helicopter. Most people get their heads around that. If there's a, a really wild difference in the output, the reports that you're looking at, even with those variations of the data model, then I think you just have to put your hands up and say, we don't know what we don't know. If there's no formal training, no budget lines for analytics, and you just join a company and they go, hi, John, welcome to the company. Here's your login. Off you go. And you're assuming that the account that you're looking at is correct. And depending on your settings, you may never even see the admin configuration. Mm -hmm. So you're going on blind trust that what you're looking at is collected and configured properly. 
And I think with this move of GA4 and the potential, well, very large potential for some people to decide to go to other platforms that are available, I think we are moving into a, a an analytics paid budget line in our marketing uh, audits and reviews and, and, and budgets because we are moving away from the free version for sure. You're going to have to put some, some effort into it because it is getting more challenging to measure things. So be kind to yourself, I guess, is the message for this. It's not, nobody's going to be telling you off and wrapping your hands. It is a learning journey that we're all going on to move away from the car to the helicopter. And it was something that I was talking to Anna Lewis from Polka.Data a couple of weeks ago about the historical data, because obviously, if the car is going to get burnt with fire, where do you get your data? And there's a question around what do you potentially export and save for the future for maybe your historical references? And, and she pointed out that one, the last couple of years have been crazy. So they're, they're not following normal patterns and trends because of lockdowns and, and issues with supply chains and wars going on that, you know, the data maybe won't be that insightful for you in in future years but not all data is equal so you don't have to export absolutely everything and doing a situation analysis and seeing what you are currently collecting and putting a note to it to say this is our I don't know default channel grouping this is how this is the website traffic from a, a big aggregate viewpoint but this is how it's being collected and configured and that's why the numbers do this and then you present GA4 or GA4 360 or maybe you do Adobe or something else and you then say and this is how this is calculated and that's where the differences are for it. Uh, I know some people that have just gone stuff it we're not we're not even going to reference GA uh, universal we're just going to go straight in and start to use the GA4 uh, mechanisms although a lot of people I'm working with are still using the car as their primary source of truth. And we're working on GA4 as the the secondary with, with a viewpoint of, of obviously switching that over in the next six to nine months. Because So I'm assuming you can run them in parallel then? Yeah, and I would still say to do that. Like the people I'm working with, we are getting GA4 set up, which is still... They're doing a lot of development, John. Like they are bringing out features left, right, and center. Uh, everybody at, at Google Analytics, I'm sure, is is frantically working at, at making the tool as best as it can possibly be. And there are some things, and it probably is worth going over some of the things that I think are absolutely fabulous about GA4. I've got an example of a, of a client where we cleaned up their universal analytics. So the cars had a service, a good MOT, and the data before is you sell it. Not, as, not, not as bad as it was before. The data is pretty clean, and, and they're getting some good insights from them. We had GA4 set up in parallel. And even though we're not using GA4 as the primary source of truth, we're still doing a lot of our analysis in, in universal and in BigQuery. There's things we can do in GA4 that you just cannot do in the car. And we've been using that to supplement our strategies and our and our ideas of what to do with our paid media budget, our SEO, that kind of thing. So one example of things that I love doing in, in GA4, even though people complain and going, oh, you've got to go into all pages or the equivalent of all pages in GA4. And it is listed as, as a title tag and I would admit what sort of sociopath is going to be looking at their their website traffic by title tag yep. nobody so you have to change it to say oh can it please be the url and and then it will show the url and then you'll see the page views but on the right hand side of there it's almost like it's banner blindness it now for the first time ever has users and new users the schema doesn't work in universal for mm. us to do that so you can now turn around to people and go, here's these campaign pages. Here are these new pages we launched on the website. And you're not just saying, here's how many times the page loaded, you know, the page views. Here are the number of users to that particular page. And here are the new eyeballs, the new users. And that is really important. That is a really good starting metric and conversation to have with people. But can I, can I, can I just, just, just before you move on from that, because I think that, yes, that's a, that's a, a real benefit. But one of the things that a lot of marketers especially more junior marketers is they measure bounce rate and see how effective their pages are am i right in bounce rates gone away uh well whether or not this is the right um 
I'm going to try and work out how to say this with kindness. I think that there are some metrics in Universal that are absolute garbage because of the way that they are calculated. So the two that I don't like using in Universal is bounce rate and time on page. And my reasons for this is the very basic mathematical equations that that Universal Analytics uses to identify what is a bounce rate. So essentially, if I go to page A, if I need a bounce rate, I have to have page B, I have to have another page for it to go to for me to go, well, what is the percentage between page A to page B? Same with time on page. What's the time difference between page A and page B? That's fine until you get pages where... 15 years ago, to do anything on a website, you were three clicks away at best. You know, most cases it was more. And we've gotten to a point now where you can drive traffic to a single page. And I am delighted as a customer. I complete all of the intended actions that I want. I've had a wonderful experience, but I don't go to any other page on the website. Analytics will now record that as time on page is set to zero because it can't calculate the other page because I didn't go on one. And if I didn't go to any other page on the website, then the bounce rate is going to be 100%. So people then look at it and go, oh, that page is terrible. And I'm like, but they completed all their actions. They signed up for the webinar, downloaded the podcast, they bought the product, they signed up to whatever it is that you wanted them to do. So I think just looking at those numbers can be really dangerous because I've seen people call pages from their website that were actually driving those conversions because nobody layered other metrics or the dimensions on top of it to give a clear picture of what's happening so what some people do and and still do is you can completely trick the system so i know people that had a high bounce rate of say 90 percent and they just triggered an event in Google Tag Manager to say, oh, when they scroll half the page, pretend that it's another website page. So the bounce rate went down to 50 and everybody's happy. Uh, it's, it's a silly way of, of yeah. presenting the numbers and it, it probably should have gone a long time ago. In GA4, there is a metric called engaged sessions, which the minimum time is 10 seconds. So the idea is if somebody's on your website page, If they disappear after 10 seconds, and if I was to count to 10 correctly, it it would be painstakingly slow. (laughs) Um, 10 seconds in Webland is now a very long time. So anything in that 10 seconds is going to be classed as a a non-engaged user, and anything above 10 seconds is going to be uh, classed as an engaged user. Because there's been an awful lot of sentiment on bounce rate, and some of that sentiment, I think, comes from legacy reports to board members and stakeholders that think that's the number they don't understand marketing they don't understand the ins and outs the technicalities of of whatever it is that you're doing but they're still under the belief that bounce rate is the the gospel metric so they, they panic and what i've heard google analytics for doing is bringing in a version of bounce rate which is the engagement but the other end of it so the inversion of it so if you're the 10 seconds before then you're a bounce and then 10 seconds over, you're now engaged. Personally, I I got really frustrated at this noise because I'm like, "Uh, Google, can you can you do things like exclude query parameters? Because I'd really like that. Can you can you provide more conversion rates? I'd really like that. And instead, they were focusing on bloody bounce rates. And I'm like, no, Google, there are other things you need to fix here with this program if you want more people to adopt to it and move over. So I think that there is going to be a re-education of what is the new bounce rate in GA4. But I believe that the same, the same, uh, not not necessarily the same metrics, but the same idea is is unfortunately going to be carried over, I think. You'll still be doing A-B tests because somebody's going to come in going, my engagement metric isn't doing what it's meant to right. be doing. Instead of digging into you know, peeling the orange or whatever analogy you want to use of, of understanding the root cause and the root issues of that that page. So, sorry, I did interrupt you on that. You were going through some That's of the right. benefits of GA4. So perhaps you can just continue with that and we can uh, then I've got oh, yeah. a couple more questions I need to ask towards the end. So we've got, uh, oh, yes, yeah, so I said about the page views with users. Yes, I like that. I really like the funnels in GA4. Now, the funnels in GA4 are basically the really good funnels that you only used to get if you were on 360. This is, in my opinion, a massive win for a lot of businesses that would never have the budget to go over to 360. 
And one of the reasons I really love it, two main factors. One, they can be applied retroactively. So previously in the Universal Analytics car, if we built a destination URL as a conversion goal and there was lots of steps and we, we created a funnel, it would only start giving me data the day that we created it. Same for e-commerce. If I built a funnel in my e-commerce conversion data, then it would only start tracking the day that you, you created it. In GA4, provided you have been collecting those events, it will be applied retroactively, which is chef's kiss wonderful from me. But we also get to play around with a little button on the bottom, which is show elapsed time. Because in the core configuration, there is an event that fires quietly in the background that records by milliseconds what's going on on that particular website. So we now have an opportunity to look at a funnel and then see the steps of that funnel, apply it retroactively and see how long it takes people to do that conversion. And that is really powerful to turn around to senior stakeholders or people that you're reporting to, whether you're an agency or in-house and saying, right, uh, hypothetically, it takes two days from somebody that adds to basket and then converts. Let's brainstorm some strategies on how we can get that conversion faster. Like what's going on? Is it a usability problem? Is it would remarketing fix it? Like what can we be doing? And I think that's that's amazing that we can do that. There's also path analysis where you can pick an endpoint. So somebody downloading a file or signing up to your newsletter, buying something, and then you can basically click through backwards and it will show you the path that that person had before they got to that endpoint. I really like this because I've tried to do something similar in Universal by looking at the behavior flow reports, but I always found them too difficult to work with. They were really heavily sampled. They looked pretty, but they didn't really do very much. I kind of, um, depends if you're much of a fan here for the Kardashians, but in my mind, they were the Kardashians of analytics, right? They looked good, but there wasn't really a very strong purpose behind them. How you could um, get the Kardashians I, into a conversation about analytics, I couldn't. I mean, maybe. I mean, they might come and see me for this and maybe, maybe cut that bit out of the podcast. <laughs> Um, they're lovely you know it's fine um, but then we'd also have potentially building uh, sequence uh, conversion sequences uh, in, in your advanced segments but I'd be guessing you know if you've got a massive data set I'm like mm, let me let me be a mind reader and think how your website visitors may be going through your website that is I mean if I could do that as a, as a skill I wouldn't need to work I would be making an absolute fortune it's really difficult to do. So I like that these funnels and path analysis take away a lot of the imagination side of it. Of, oh, I think this is what's going on. It's going to give you some harder figures. I also really like because it's it's an event-driven model that we can now use audiences. And audiences, for me, are the absolute star of GA4. The hard bit is getting the data. So get the data collected, configured, and get all the events that you need and your conversions and whatnot. But the, the audiences, they're not audiences like paid media was in Universal, where you build some audiences, it goes off to the paid media team, and they will build audiences to remarket against them or buy lookalike audiences. Audiences in GA4 could be used for paid media, but we can also use them for your analysis. We can use them to create an event and we can use that to then build a conversion. And with these audiences, we can layer different event parameters and values. We can also add in event counts and we can add in time. So I can build an audience now to say, show me people that bought twice in the last month or show me people that looked at five blog posts this month and the webinar but didn't sign up for the free trial show me people that went on this campaign page and after five minutes they signed up I can't do that in universal analytics so I really like that I've got this opportunity to build really complicated statements which kind of reminds me when I was a marketeer and we used to do a lot of email marketing where it ran on a lot of these segment rules you know if this then that and then if they did this give me that it's applying that methodology almost to to your analytics again and that again, is very powerful to start building more than just, oh, they bought a product or they signed up to the newsletter. We can apply recency, frequency, value proposition ideas now to our analytics because of this data model. So there's a lot of possibilities here to really amplify 
and outwork your competition because that's all we're trying to do here with it whatever you're doing in in your marketing stream we're trying to be better than the competition and they're trying to figure this stuff out as well so having this in your your arsenal as part of your measurement strategy to collect data that is valuable to you and use that data to drive insights and use the data to act on it because one of my biggest bugbears is spending time and resources collecting data and then nobody uses it. Or they just look at it and go, "Mm, that looks interesting, and they don't do anything with it. The whole point of reporting is to get an action. You are either getting somebody to sign off a strategy, you're either launching something and you want to push a particular product, whatever. You need an action to come from this. Otherwise, what is the point? Like it's a complete waste of resources, which goes back to what we talked about right at the beginning of this podcast, which goes to the question of how are you using data in your company? And do you want to be using the data to drive your insights? Because if you're not, Go and buy a cheap tool that's just going to give you basic hit counter data because you want something to feel a bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A bit tangible for the work that you're doing. You know, oh, I've done all this marketing. Here's some numbers to back up the thing that you can't really see that I'm doing. But you're not going to grow that way. You're not going to win industries that way. You won't win awards. You won't win cash flow in your business. That's what I get excited about the data side of it is because it it really does help to drive those conversations, those budgets, those strategies that give the company growth because that's what we're all here for. I mean, yes, there may be some stagnation because the markets are being crazy at the moment with cost of living and the fallout from the pandemic. So your job is to keep your head above water and try and grow, even if it's a percent or 10% or whatever, but you're trying to maintain and grow. And that's what this data can do for you that's what the opportunity of these new analytics programs can do for you so jill i've never heard anybody so passionately talk about an analytics solution so so big praise to you for that because i think you have got a good grasp of what the benefits of moving over to ga4 are i think there's a couple of um points i'd like to make along the way is first of all it seems like you now need a helicopter pilot as opposed to a car driver. And therefore, yeah. the skills that are necessary to do that are going to be very few and far between. Because there's only people like you that really got to grips with it now. And there isn't a pool of big resources out there to be able to say, oh, well, I, I need to have a, uh, an analyst who understands GA4. You can't buy one yet. You can't re- hire one. You can, Well, you can hire one, but you, you can't actually employ somebody with that because it's quite new. Yet I think to get the best out of GA4, you have to understand how to fly the helicopter. Yeah. So do you think agencies are going to fill that gap? And do you think agencies are again seen as, um, and this is, this is no slight on agencies, but there's a lot of people that say they're a jack of all trades and master of none. I would say, so my message on GA4 is new. And yes, I, I know a lot about GA4, but it is my job to know this. So I always say that to people when they go, oh my God, I don't know any of this. I didn't know any of this either before it came out. So everything can be learned. You just have to focus on what what do you need to learn and how deep do you need to learn for your particular job? So there will be some people listening to this that will be writing big query SQL strings to query the data in in GA4 helicopters, um, you know, and and that might scare some people. Other people just need to know how to kind of sit in it and look around kind of thing. So there's there's a different degree to it. I, I would say that in the last year, I mean, I've been doing a number of talks on GA4. I've been doing podcasts on GA4. I've been doing webinars on GA4 for a good 16 months now. So I think there is an appetite that people that were kind of on the, it's on my to-do list best kind of look at it now. And those that ignored it are now going, oh my God, I've now got to to learn all this stuff. My approach is to do this in a phased approach, whether you work with an agency, because some agencies may decide, do you know what? This is a service that we could offer, but at the moment we're just going to you know, bed down in in what we offer, whether that be SEO, AB testing or whatever, and they'll stick with it. Or they may decide that they would offer this as a service and and, and allow their their customers to come to them and say, look, can you just take this off my hands and, and, and do it for me because I haven't got the time. But I think everybody's still 
if you've handed it over to somebody to do it, they still need to learn how it works. And that's where the education piece comes with, with, with GA4. I've been working on a, on a phased approach and I, I did this as part of my learning. I do this as part of my migration plans. You go to, uh, we'll put it in the show notes. I've got a, a link to the, the GA4 migration plan. Phase one, if that's all you're going to be doing, the theory side of this, because if you're going to be flying a helicopter, you need to get a license. And if you're going to get a license, there's a theory part to that and a practical part to that. The theory part on phase one is just understanding the data model, you know, understanding the concepts of the events. And you've got the Google demo account available if you wanted to look at a GA4 account. And we can all have an idea of how an e-commerce site works. We all use them. So we can go into that demo account and go, right, I can understand how the user interface works and how the reports may be, be different. The practical part of that would be creating a GA4 property, setting up a data stream, knowing what that configuration setting should be. That may require either support from an agency or a consultant, or it may mean that you have to do some learning because you need to mirror these settings with how you've been collecting and configuring the data in the car because you want to mirror them, right? So if you've got things like... um, Referral exclusions. So if you are an e-commerce site and you are using payment gateways uh, like Hooks or Stripe or the Shop app, you would want to put them in your referral exclusions because you don't want them to come in as sources and mediums of traffic that scored the conversion. You want the, the source before that. So you put them in your referral exclusions and you say to Google, if you see any of this, it's not a website given as a link. It's our own tech stack. So just ignore it. You need to do the same thing in the helicopter because it's working on a very similar um, methodology. So this is where for that very first step of getting the configuration done, it's not a case of just clicking the upgrade button on GA4, adding the configuration tag to Google Tag Manager, and you're like, we're away. Yes. It's like, no, 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 there are still toggles and, and settings. You need to program the helicopter to your business. It's the same as the car. And I still did audits on cars that did nothing to their the default settings, and the data was, was a bit, you know, those confabulations again. Yeah. But that first step of just getting the basic configuration done If you can get that done before the summer, brilliant. But I know that there are going to be people that I'm going to be talking to a year from now that thought that they had done the job. And then we look at GA4 and we'll go, you didn't do the referral exclusions. You didn't change the settings. You didn't do anything beyond the basic events that you're tagging. And there's going to be a mass panic to kind of fix what they thought had happened. Because I think there will be some you know, not not cowboys, that's the wrong way to phrase it. But you know what I mean, people that will do the job and everybody assumes it's a done deal. And all they did was put the keys into the helicopter. They haven't flown it anyway, they haven't done anything to it. So I think getting that that basic methodology in your head that is available right now, you can go and look at webinars and podcasts and whatever, and you can learn this stuff. And it doesn't take too long to learn it, but you need to dedicate some time to get those uh, those concepts of how this data model works in your head. And then you can move on to phase two, which is where I customize your setup. So you look at what you get out the box. So the, the enhanced events and the auto collected events. And for some people, that's enough to build an event from an event for a conversion goal for like a destination URL or something like that. But for some websites and their business models, you will need to add new GA4 events for things like Uh, e-commerce or form submissions, things like that. So once you've got the basics in place, you can then start to think, okay, what else do I need the helicopter to be tracking? Because I've got events that need to be built so that I can see conversions or or data points for my um, insights, the stuff that I need to report on. And then you would work on that. And then once you've got the data in phase three, you can start to use the reporting interface. And then in phase four, we look at audiences and, and so on and so forth. So it is a, a phased approach. You don't have to do absolutely everything today but you do need to get started because as you said the next year is going to go so quickly we're going to blink and it's going to be Christmas and then you're going to blink and it's going to be 2023 and then the mass panic I think really will start then because I do believe there's going to be a few people that go it's fine we put the tag on job done and then they're going to look at it as we get closer to that July 2023, if you're on the free version, and then they're going to go, why is it not showing the data that I want? And then they're going to, then the panic's going to fit in. 
or you can take the time to do it properly. But it, it is a skill that you can learn. Um, we all start from somewhere. And, you know, whatever you do in life, whatever jobs that you do, none of us got to where we are. We were talking about this before, weren't mm. we, about, you know, I was talking to my children about making mistakes and, and practicing. That's what everything is. Like nobody becomes a senior technical SEO overnight. They start at the bottom and they learn their craft. This is all a learnable skill. The main message is to be kind to yourself because it is difficult. It is different. There are opportunities at the end of it. So do stick with it. (laughs) But you do need to allocate some time, whether that's half an hour a week to just listen to something and work through that phased approach as far as you need to for your job. So some people their job is going to be, look, I just need to understand the user interface because I don't get involved in any of the technical configuration. Some people listening, that is their job. You do need to be responsible for this measurement strategy and you need to work out if you need resources or you can do it in-house and what that brief is going to look like. So there's there's a phased approach and there's a level of intensity that comes with that depending on, on what your job is. And I really do hope that like the Google Analytics Academy, that that they created for for GA3 I'm really hoping they create something similar for GA4 because that was always really useful to get the the basics of how the UA data model worked and what you could do with it and then you went off and, and built your car to suit your your requirements I really hope we get more documentation through from Google Analytics because there is some information that I've seen that is not 100% correct. And that's fine because, like I said, we're all learning how to do this. And Google keeps changing things as well. So you'll, you'll look at a YouTube video and it's different <laughs> because they change the interface uh, on, on a dime. So it's, it's a challenging time, but it's a good opportunity to really use data for the purpose that it was meant to, which was, you know, drive those insights and, and grow and smash it and, and all those other positive phrases you can think of. So Jill. It's been a, a blast <laughs> this last, uh, I think it's 45, 50 minutes. And I think there's an awful lot that we've covered, but I'm sure there's an awful lot more. So I'm actually, as part of the podcast, I'm going to point people at your website anyway, which is thecoloringindepartment.com for people to go to you and ask you questions directly if needs be um, yeah. to be able to find out more. Because I think we're in this, I won't say early stage because it seems very late stage now, but people are now starting to take it seriously because of the warnings that's happening in their GA analytics banner yeah. at the top. And there is a bit of panic setting in. But I'd like to thank you for your enthusiasm, for your energy, for your passion about um, Google Analytics and especially GA4. And I'd like to um, perhaps come back in maybe a year's time, you know, when people are implementing it to see what the fallout was, if there was any. And so, oh, yeah, I'd love that'd that. be a really good idea yeah. to, to come back and say, OK, what happened in those those 14 months since we since we talked before? So, yeah. Jill, thank you very much for your time. And um, thank you for having I me. will um, be sure to keep you in touch with any feedback we get from this. But for now, thank you. Thank you, John. 